You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture, coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. I'm really working on it in my head. So, Vocal Fry Christmas has arrived. Hello. It's happening. We have a very special guest. Okay. We have two very special guests. Oh, yeah. Soup. One of them special. One, m- the much talked about, the brief appearance in Vocal Fry the Wedding. The dumb. The off. He, off, he was in the Star the Wars one last off, year. No, no he was not. No. Oh, you are dumb. The okay. oft criticized oh, and often called dumb, <laughs> so dumb husband of Sarah, who is, who, is the, who is the only attorney in the room. Accurate. So he could he could educate us on any it's copyright infringement we're making uh, in general. Oh yeah, no, we're good though. Okay, good. So you uh, you <laughs> <know>. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, Jamie is with us. Sarah's husband is here. We're very okay. ha- happy. He's here because here in a couple minutes we're going to talk about season eleven Doctor Who. Woo-hoo. That's why he's here and joining us while we're also celebrating Vocal Fry Christmas. And Christmas because it's Vocal Fry Christmas, everybody. Christmas. And Vocal Fry is sort of like Doctor Who, where there has to be a Christmas special, because, I mean... Well, there's not a Christmas special in Doctor Who this year, so... But it's a New Year special, so it's kind of a Christmas special. It's a similar thing. Actually, one of the years of the Tenant era, the Christmas special did air on New Year's Day. That's interesting. I think it was the Two Doctors. Okay. If you remember that episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the episode. I think I read that that episode aired on New Year's Day. Interesting. Okay, so I have a question. Now that now that you two have officially completed your final voice jury. Oh, gosh. During your master's degree, and obviously you're done with your undergraduate degrees, because you'll do a recital hearing, but that's a different kind of thing. It is different. So I've been on this thought process of what is the purpose of voice juries and 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 i'll actually even even today something brought like i I, i've been thinking about purpose a lot and something came into my mind earlier today when leah's out it's like crimes of grindelwald all over again (laughs) 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 yeah all of a sudden leah found a comfy spot even though she can't sleep anywhere but her bed and she's out no. Leah slept through most of Crimes of Dumbledore. Grindelwald. No, but we called the episode Crimes I of Dumbledore. Know, but that's wrong. Any, anyway. Um, I was horizontal. That's really what it is. When I said I can't sleep anywhere but my bed, I meant that I have to be horizontal to sleep. We're recording this episode <laughs> from a very special location being my living room. So uh, Where Leah is horizontal. horizontal where Leah is currently laying down in the corner of the section. I don't know why I'm very mm-hmm. uncomfortable with the word horizontal right now. I just am. Okay. <laughs> just want to put that out Sarah's there. Sarah's uncomfortable. I am. We're basically where we normally are. That's it. Yeah. 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 When I went back You're and right. re-listened to that episode that Michael was talking about, that Sarah loses it episode. I love that episode so much. And and <laughs> all those poop stories <laughs> with the children, so and funny. I was just like, Wait, there is actually. I normally don't approve of Sarah's poop stories. They're so funny. But there funny. was actually. I mean, I just. Not that I don't approve. I just I don't understand. 
They're really quite the funny. appeal. Poop is hysterical. But there was actually a really funny one recently. Um, with, with the, the girl in the bathroom? Yeah. Okay. It's very short. It is pretty short. <laughs> There's this little girl, and like she'd gone to the bathroom. She'd been in there like a while. And but we had checked on her, and we knew she was just taking care of business and just it was taking a while, you know? Except then she just she comes out and she just goes. Something's not right in there. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, oh, what? And she's like, yeah, something's not right. And so we walk in, and sure enough, something was not right in there. The toilet was just overflowing. Oh, gee whiz. But it was just the way, just real nonchalant, just something's not right in there. And yeah, she was right. Wow. Just well, little kids, keep in mind, this child is three. So. The honesty is she, she, that, that's a that's a budding Olivia the right there. There you go, of babes. Out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> Something was in fact wrong. <laughs> so I'm curious to ask the two of you now that you've completed your last voice right, jury right. and you don't have to jury's, jury jury's. again. From a student perspective, what is the purpose of voice juries? You wanting like a legit like oh I know this is the real reason we have juries or Are you like asking us like what we get out I of feel? them. That's sort of what I'm trying to get at, okay, actually. Well, so is that the question you want to ask, or do you want to trick yeah. us into getting there? No, I'm really not trying to trick you at all, I, I, to be honest. I'm, I'm asking from a student <laughs> perspective, what do you as a student view the purpose of your voice jury to I be? I mean, I don't really think of it as like a... I just think of it as it's I have to an do exam. It, like, I don't really grade, spend a yeah. lot of time... Because well, the thing is, I, I don't like really um, see the point in spending a lot of time dwelling on the purpose of things that I'm required to do. <laughs> I think it would just make me bitter. Leah is so. testing some shade. Okay. No, I'm just saying. Like, no, and, and no, that that's a fair thing. I guess I'm just thinking of the two of you as future voice teachers. I mean, I... I I'm wanting you to consider... If nothing else, I will say it has definitely made me more... Um, I mean, I still get a little nervous before juries, but I mean, like my freshman and sophomore year, like, I mean, I, you know, was walking on stage and, you know, could not breathe, like was so... Well, it was probably one of the first times you'd ever sung on that stage. Yeah. Yeah. And... um, Freshman year anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it has made me slightly, I've gotten slightly more comfortable doing it, I guess, if that's anything i still get pretty nervous but my thing is is it's not even like i can say oh it's helped me get over like stage fright or i can't i can't even relate it so much to like performing experience it's just made me more comfortable doing juries yeah because when i perform Hmm. there's some excitement to it because you're getting to do this whole show you're doing it every night there's a whole thing whereas a jury you're walking in there and like you're getting Rated. I don't know how that makes it more if that makes sense, but like a performance has a much more positive, just feeling kind of ambiance to it. You go out, people are gonna clap unless you just are terrible. Like, well, but really the purpose bad. of that is to bring people joy and entertain them. Exactly. Whereas with a jury, I mean, maybe you can entertain and like provide a pleasant experience for these people, but at the end of the day, you're getting a grade. Yeah, and that doesn't feel like what they're looking for. I mean, to be honest, like, I mean, maybe they are. Like, and I can tell myself, like, I would obviously, we would all like to believe. I think that. I mean, that obviously, y'all are being entertained. And I'm not, say, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, your teachers are out to get you, but I mean, when you're trying to come up with a grade, I mean, you're. You're, you're having critical, to criticize. I mean, right, sure. Well, and the thing the is... The very sure. nature of the thing. You're not even half the time so much, I think, 
this is what I've come to realize this year, so much criticizing maybe the student in their voice, but kind of the teacher in a way. Like, no? Maybe. Yeah? <laughs> I don't know. I, and I, I feel I just, like I let's come back When to you're that. talking about a, I don't know, when I, after I've heard a performance, like gone to someone's recital, I don't know, you just think of it more holistically i guess mm. yeah as an entire whereas i mean the like i said like the very nature of juries is that you kind of break things apart grade sure. them on their own like one by one you know what i mean yeah and yeah. not how it factors in to the whole well I and guess. when i go to a performance i'm looking i specifically sit there and like i try to look for the good things the things i like in the person whereas i feel like again in juries yeah i feel like i mean maybe People are looking for the good things, but you're also definitely trying to figure out what needs to be improved upon, which yeah, is which good is not a and bad has thing. its place. But like it, it puts some pressure. How does how do you? So it's interesting to me that your immediate comparison was to performance, yeah, rather than to auditioning. Mm. And you just did, you know, you did you did uh, competition this fall, and you did mm -hmm. SETCs this fall. Mm -hmm. How would you compare? a voice jury your your personal voice jury experience to your personal audition experience this fall because when i posted the the uh the thing on juries on pvt on nfpvt the responses were immediately that uh, that the, the the people who did respond in comments thought it was good audition experience so compare it since you've done both this fall Compare it to audition experience rather than performance experience. I don't think of it like an audition at all. I don't know. Maybe that would be an interesting way to approach it in the future. Granted, I'm done with juries, but I've, I don't think I've ever thought of it like an audition, nor does it feel like when I go to an audition. Because when I go to an audition, I kind of have this feeling of like, I may not ever see these people again. Like with yeah. SETC, even if I made it through the next round or if I made it into a show... I'm not going to see these people well, and again. Honestly, and I guess, I don't know, with auditions, I guess I just think more of like, I mean, of course they're, of course they're, you know, looking at your technical stuff, but also like. They want acting well, and, and interest. I mean, you might just literally not have the sound that they want and it has nothing to do with how well you sang, how well you performed it. Like, right. if I don't know. So that somehow makes it different to me. Like somehow. So like, I guess an audition is easier and maybe that's just a self-preservational thing. Like, so that it's easier to write off a jury is to just say, I mean, a, an audition An audition is to just kind of yeah. say like, well, they just don't like my voice and that's okay. Cause someone else will. Yeah. That's the thing. You and know? also like, I'm a people pleaser. The people in my jury are my professors. I know these people. I like these people and I want them to and like my voice. I want them to voice. think well of me. I want, I want them, them to feel like I sang well and I want to show them, look, look I how want them far to know I've that I've, it. Yeah, that I'm working and I want them to think, Whereas yeah. in audition, these people have never heard me before. This is just a kind of one-shot sort of thing, putting it out there. If they like it, they'll hire me. If they don't, Whatever. On to the next one. You know, it's interesting to me. Have you guys ever seen the video of either George Clooney or Brian Cranston talking about auditioning? No. There's there are separate videos. I I mean, uh, like, and Cranston and Clooney almost verbatim say the exact same thing about when they started having success auditioning. Their paradigm changed to being that rather than going in and thinking they're going to try to get a job, they changed their viewpoint of auditions to 
I will get this job if I and the product that I have to offer am the solution to their problem. They are having auditions because they have a problem. They lack something. Therefore, if I am their solution, they will hire me. Now, they said it more eloquently than I just did. I but it. but that's essentially the, the vibe of it. And both of them, both of them separately. I've seen the video of both of them doing it. And and it's interesting from that perspective, if that really, because obviously I think we could say that Brian Cranston and George Clooney are both pretty darn successful actors. Yeah. What else is Brian Cranston in besides Breaking Bad? Well, he was in Malcolm in the Middle. That's where he got his start. Uh, I do remember that now. I not put that, had not put that together. And, and then, of course, Breaking Bad. He actually just has a new thing coming out where he's playing a paraplegic. In, I forget if it's a movie or a show. I just saw a trailer for it. Hmm. Any, anyway, but he's been in other things as well. But I think we can identify them as successful actors at this mm-hmm. point. And it's interesting to me because if that's what successful auditioning looks like, I don't know that a jury prepares you for that. I don't think it is because that's another thing. When I do go into an audition, like one of my things I'm thinking is I need to get these people's attention. I need to like, I don't know, the words have just left my brain, but like I need to be interesting. I need to be eye-catching. Yeah. I need to be whatever. And in a, in a jury, I'm sitting here thinking my technique needs to be good. Yes, I want to emote and act and really express the music, but I feel, but in my head, I'm like, these people are listening to my technique yeah. and I want to look nice as well and all that. But I'm not sitting there thinking, I need to grab your attention. I need to, to make you so interested in what I I'm need saying to stand and what out. I'm doing yeah. that you couldn't possibly even look at your piece of paper, which maybe like, maybe I should, maybe, but... Can I interject an outside opinion? Please, no. I'd, I'd love watched, to hear a... a not, never done a jury, but having watched people prepare. Um, <laughs> as far as what you're talking about with the auditions and stuff, I think that's a valid point that you're wanting to be the product that they need. Because like... <laughs> <laughs> comparing it to a job interview, like you can be a great candidate, but there's also 10 other great candidates. You right. need to be the great candidate that can help them do their... Pro- like fix the problem they're having whatever that may be right and it's easier in an interview where you can kind of talk to them and be like you know i can do this is that something that you're looking for well what are you looking for oh i can do that too in an audition like you're kind of polishing and wanting i guess to show how great you are but it's harder to know what niche they're looking for unless you have some feedback from them which i don't know that the jury necessarily helps you prepare for that situation but I like the idea of a jury, again, never having had to prepare or do one, as like while you're studying in your undergrad, it's a chance, and even in your master's, it's a chance for you to see if you're going to like doing this as a career. Because in my undergrad, like we had our coursework, but until you went to do like a co-op or something, you never got to do hands-on engineering or whatever. Practical stuff. And a lot of people, myself included, when it came down to doing that for your career, realize that's not what I want to do. And I just wasted four years preparing (laughs) to do something I'm not interested in. No, that's a very interesting point. I mean, although I think in music, we do a better job of 
forcing people into practical experiences like Doing having them sing on solo right. hour, having them do recitals, having them be in choir concerts, having them be in other performances. Musicals, operas. Musicals, like, operas, whatever. If you're a performance major and you don't ever want to be in the musical or opera, like maybe you shouldn't be a performance Well, major. that's just something that I don't understand. I have to confess. That is something I've seen over the years. Or I'll have, I'll have music ed students tell me that they want to go to graduate school for performance, but they, there's just no way they have time to be in the opera. Then I'm like, then maybe you don't want to. You don't really want to go to school. You don't want to go get a master's in performance, yeah. uh, and that's a harsh reality. But it's sort of a truth. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't like. I mean, you all know that. I mean, standing on stage and performing is not my favorite thing. Like singing classical, but I love. I mean, but I've always loved being in productions. Mm-hmm. Well, productions are and choir is like. Yeah, I like having other people on stage with me. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and that's actually just a valid point as a performer in general. Yeah. The hardest scene work that I've ever done as a professional have been the moments where I am by myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. listen, I think that Una Fortiva Lagrima at the end of Elixir of Love is one of the hardest, most difficult things I've ever done because you literally, it's the end of the night Mm-hmm. It's the most famous aria from the opera, mm-hmm. and you are by yourself. There is nothing else on stage. It's always easier, even if you're singing an aria like Rodolfo's aria in La Boheme. You're singing it right at Mimi. She's right there with you. Mm-hmm. You're literally addressing it immediately to a human in front yeah. of you yeah. who you can react to and move feed around with and, and feed feed off of. Um, and now sometimes I'll have to admit that there are times in that Mimi Rodolfo scene where you're trying to get the other one to, you know, laugh or something like that, which often happens in shows like, I don't know, Magic Flute, where there's, <laughs> where, where there's, where there's a portrait of Pamina on stage, which might not be a portrait of Pamina. It might be other things um, that might make people laugh. And so it's it's possible, but I I think I actually I see your point that it is often easier to be on stage by with other people mm-hmm. yeah, um, to feed off of. You know, it, I I just like to rethink why we do stuff. So th- I guess the jury conversation is me just thinking out loud because I have you guys to talk to as a sounding yeah. board. And if we want people to think of the jury as an audition, like maybe that's how we should sell it. Well, I may, maybe if that would even help. Like, I don't, I don't know, but, but it's don't interesting have a to try it. So I, I, one of the other responses that I continuously got on that thread was people just saying, well, it's the assessment at the end of the semester. So essentially it's the final, Yeah, you know, it's like your final. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that's how, when I'm explaining it to people who don't, like at work when they ask what I have left, I'm like, well, I just have my jury, which is basically which is kind of like a final, a voice, for my voice final. And you know what I w- what I've there. often thought of with that is if that's the case, we usually in most voice lessons that I've ever observed and or taught, and I've observed a lot of people's voice lessons over the years. Half of it is spent vocalizing. When so have you ever been vocalize. asked to vocalize on a jury? Wouldn't that be interesting? I would love I would to, love to vocalize. I I'm great at vocalizing. I would love to hear See, my, my particular particularly <laughs> freshmen and sophomores and even incoming graduate students have a set of exercises and say you need to be able to sing scales at this metronome marking on five vowels major and minor. 
what kind nine, of like nine note nine note patterns voice. and thirteen note patterns. Hmm. That could be cool. And and arpeggi for an octave and a fifth for so many half steps and octave leaps. Um and just and just like I, I think that would if we're really gonna assess technique, that would almost be more of an assessment. Well, and I mean, or even the first, if you're, or the first five concone exercises. Well, it's more standard than you know walking in with. I don't know. Like I started with a poulang piece that's maybe thirty, forty seconds long. You, you did know, be, what I, be, be, ba, ba, boo. yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like that would be a kind of a standard way to assess everybody, as opposed to, like, who knows what these people are going to walk in with, and and what are the people going to call? You're not hearing the same from everyone. And I get the idea that obviously the final product is singing repertoire. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to go out and perform scales. I mean, I will. That's weird. Nope, I mean, do it. but it would be like it's a time. better uh, view of your holistic yeah. singing ability than your ability to learn a specific piece. Like in high school, I quote learned to play the guitar. I learned two different songs that I would play for a girl I was interested in. Okay, that seems, one that seems right. One though Doesn't was it. in you had to. It was like drop B tuning. I don't remember what it was, but you had to tune the guitar differently. So I bought a second guitar and kept it tuned oh my for that God. song. <laughs> that also <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> All of this sounds right. You're the and so. Worst. And so wait, wait. I'm gonna pause for a second, Jamie. <laughs> so when she, when the, when the girl then said, "Hey, but do you know Breakfast at Tiffany's?" Or like, <laughs> and, and how did that go then? Like when they, when there was a request, oh, like no, the uh, guitars. Hey, do you know it smells now. like Teen Spirit? <laughs> uh, did this yeah, just break? Some, uh, oh, 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 my hand! Ah, I got a cramp. <laughs> exactly. Cramp, though, dehydrated. See, yeah, I could play those two songs really well. Yeah. Holistically at playing guitar. Yeah. Very suboptimal. So smoke on the water, and what was the other one? That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to figure out. One was uh, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, oh my god, god. that makes it's fantastic. Also makes sense. I can't. I can't. Incredible. I cannot believe. I'm what was the second you. one? Maybe like Brown Eyed Girl or something. It's been oh, so that long. Also. I also learned how to play was. the Godfather theme song, but that was for me. Oh, <laughs> that, that was that, not for a girl. That all, tra- that all tracks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I quit. Wow. Well, anyway, I listen. Okay, I don't. But same thing. Like even when I'm thinking of. But like, like I said, when you first brought up this question in our group message about like, yeah. well, I just think of it as a final. But then some people question the relevance of finals because oh, I mean, right. ideally, well, because even especially like, I mean, even I don't throughout do my exactly, yeah, we know. <laughs> and <laughs> throughout my, you know undergraduate and grad if i had a jury that i wasn't pleased with like or if I, you know if i was just not sure how it had gone like the way i would always calm myself was well my teacher decides my final grade you Same. know like she knows that if something i something you know weird yeah if something happened that had never happened before like if i had a memory slip that i'd never done you know or just whatever did something weird or or was or you could tell it was just because i was super nervous or under the weather or whatever like that was how i would calm myself down was well she decides my grade based on not just today but the work i've done all, all semester. semester and i think same thing with a final like a good professor will look at will hopefully design a test that if you've done well in the class all semester a final is not going to hurt your grade it's not going to lower it yeah and if it does 
then you look at it and maybe like try and figure out why that is you know i will say juries made me very good at just kind of letting if i am mad about how i did a song letting it just kind of roll off my back just like it's over the semester's I can't over change it now it hap- that is what happened I will say that one of the things that's true about voice juries across the industry is that there is as much disparity in the different ways people conduct juries, grade juries, evaluate juries, uh, view juries, Mm -hmm. as there practically is the number of ways that people think about the singing voice. That, and that is to say, I have colleagues at certain universities where they just do comments and they do no grades. Oh. That'd be interesting. It's kind of. I cool. know of places where they do like a pass fail on the jury, and they do comments. I know places where they do comments and a grade, like we do. I know places where uh, there is a very complex rubric. I know places where there's no rubric. I know places where the grade counts for 30%. I know places where the grade counts for 33%. I know places where the grade so counts for 50%. So there's a lot of different things, yeah? The, the point being, excuse. <laughs> this is why you're not on the podcast. <laughs> Sometimes you should be on the podcast. This is Say why... some words of wisdom. I'm silent. This is what this we is do. This is why I don't... I, this I is why it, people which listen. Which is why... <laughs> Okay. This right is the, this is the juicy the stuff. Listing. Wonderful. This is why we people We haven't even listen. gotten to Doctor you Who rambling? yet. <laughs> That's the point of podcasts. You rambling is the point of podcasts? All podcasts, Incredible. not just this one. <laughs> no, not just this. Listen. That's what I heard. Listen. You come for the vocal fry, you stay for the nonsense. I can't. I quit. Your children are knocking. You are, in fact, in your own home. And our dogs are, are crying right that now. That is Aria being a little something, a little brat. The kids do want to say hello? What's well, the vocal fry Christmas party? They have to. Come on. We have very special guests here. Olivia Look Perna, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, vocal fam. That's Olivia. <laughs> Hasn't been on an episode since Last Jedi Christmas. Remember big, that? Big, big girl now. She does not now. seem happy about it. Is Charlie not going to say hi? Oh, he, oh, he is going to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's more my daughter. Oh, he's oh. reading. Sorry. Maybe later. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Olivia, go to bed. Bye. All right. Well, with that, that's enough of that business. Let, let's let, let, let's do presents. Oh, right, yeah, presents. And let's then do I'm presents. Yeah. I'm shocked that you were able to get Sarah to stop thinking about the presents for as long as... Let's do presents. Let's give them their presents. Them okay, so let, let's give Jamie his. Let's do Jamie's first. Y'all wrap things. Well, we nice. we got we got Jamie a present. I'm stuck. Uh, ja- it? Jamie. Jamie has the only non-nerd. Oh gift. my god, that is fantastic! It's a bow tie and I and a, and it. a pocket square <gasps> and a matching. I have been sorely lacking in pocket squares. Well, has, so every attorney should have a bow tie and a pocket square. Everyone does, him. but me. So well. now, now I have it. I try to get him to I wear love bow the color ties too. a lot. All right, ladies, one at a time. Oh, Sarah, Whoever you, wants okay. to go first. You go. God. These are very Vocal Fry approved gifts. Oh, I love it. You what can now it? drink coffee <laughs> out of David Tennant's David head. David Tennant's head. <laughs> I'm so happy. I don't have. 
I love it. Sarah is cradling her mug. She's we, I would no. I'm we it got out. Sarah do a tenth Doctor Doctor Who it. mug, uh, so she can literally drink her morning tea or coffee out of David Tennant's head. So. Merry Christmas. She's very protective of it, it already. <laughs> I love it. I have a TARDIS mug and it's going to go So this is too. Dirty Santa, right? I can no, steal that. No, these are specific <laughs> gifts for specific people. You don't even want Okay, it. Leah. Okay. Leah wouldn't appreciate go. it. She just thinks she would. Oh, I can already tell. <laughs> I love it. It is a Dharma initiative. You guys wouldn't get that because you haven't finished Lost. You're right. I don't get it. Dharma it is initiative. A Dharma mug. coffee official coffee official mug. Official coffee mug. Well, that's true. But all will drink hot chocolate how do you out of it. Yes. Or well. cider or. People well, ask me that all the time, and like I literally don't understand the question. Like well, Robbie would ask me, he'd be like, "What do you do when you just like can't wake up in the morning?" I'm like, I don't understand what that means. Like. You're a, you're asleep and then you're awake. I mean, you don't feel like groggy or. I like, mean, yeah, I sometimes I guess. Awake, or like you'd rather be dead. I mean, yeah, but that's just what mornings are. Jamie has formed an addiction. <laughs> Why don't you try I just some don't coffee? think that humans should be able to. Uh, I just don't think that you should allow the availability of a beverage to dictate your mood. You're a human adult. So you're saying <laughs> that you should not allow the legality of the drug caffeine to be able to dictate your mornings. Sure. I just take a shower, guys. I don't know, More man. Presents. And I'm awake. Okay, all right. Well, okay. I'm being handed a gift. Oh, well, that one's for me. This is from Leah. Oh, yes. and Dr. Spivak's present for me isn't here yet. And she doesn't want to know what it is, but you can know what it is if you want. It won't, you won't care, though. That's true. Who it's not, not a nerd care? gift. <laughs> from me? Did I give you something? Oh, I oh yeah, I remember. Yes! <laughs> I told you. Two more pairs of Star Wars socks, Stormtroopers, and Darth Vader, and red Darth Vader. So, like, the color of the lightsaber. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I only have BB-8 socks, so these are are tremendous. See? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it is. You gotta look at the side of the stuff Oh, you'll love that shirt. Yeah. My wife is the yeah. proud owner of a new Allons-Y. And has a sonic screwdriver. With a sonic okay. screwdriver of the 10th Doctor sonic I, screwdriver. I almost got you a t-shirt with a David Tennant on it. And um, I'm glad I did. Unfortunately, because you your husband those. did. Can we read the, the, the Great line minds think off alike. of... Off Can of, I just quickly of, point out that both of your first thoughts were the same? That my wife and your husband, Dr. Spivag, are the same person. That's okay, not just accurate. pointing that out. Uh, okay. so, so, Sarah, do you want to read it? Yeah. So, my wife's shirt says... He's like fire and ice and... Oh, I can't read it. And rage. He's like the night and the storm in the heart of the sun. He's ancient and forever. He burns at the center of time and can see the turn of the universe. And he's wonderful. Ew, Martha Jones. Great. That was amazing! Martha also, Jones referring to the 10th Doctor. That they spelled center like British people do, and it makes me happy. <laughs> And I'm opening the final gift here. This is from Sarah and Jamie. It is, even though it just says Sarah. I can't see. Oh, yes! Okay, good. (laughs) Yes! I've seen this. Well, now you own it. 
It is. He has a star. It's a. It's the Star, Star Wars, Wars quotes. It's all the Star Wars and quotes some, like, and some of the symbols and, and symbols Darth and, and Yoda and X, an X wing, the uh, Empire insignia, the Rebel Alliance insignia. Just have all your quotes in one place. All your insignia. All your uh, insignia needs. <laughs> I love it. I've seen this before. Thank you so much. Okay. Good. Amazing, isn't it? Like, like the word density, or what? The more often the word appears, the, the larger the print is. I think is. that's correct. I have okay. no idea. I saw it. I Hence, liked it. May the force it. be I with you. Is the big, like the big one, yeah. right? And so I love it. That will co- that will go with it. us to Florida. Um, okay, so we have wrapped up Doctor Who series eleven, except mm-hmm. for the New Year's Day special. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Leah has officially handed <laughs> the podcast to the other Doctor Who fan in the room. Like it. So, guys, let's 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 start with an, our overall all, all picture here. Uh, 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 what do we think about Jody oh, as the I Doctor? I love her. Love her. Jody's great. I think she's fantastic. I wish that there was better material for she's her to done so be well fantastic with, with what she's been given she, with what she's been she is just a phenomenal actress she and really i is. totally love her as the doctor all her mannerisms what she brings to her take on everything i have enjoyed but um totally agree okay other parts uh let's uh how about the visuals <laughs> i love the new intro i kind of yeah, like, the, I do like I love the new it. intro i love the sort new time vortex yeah feel to it I don't yeah. know. I, I you mentioned the other day. I think we were talking about it. Something about it really is better in HD. And like we haven't watched any of it in HD. So if that's what it takes to really appreciate the visuals this season, we we missed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean we don't have HD here at the house either. I was telling um, I was telling Nick Nick or maybe you this. It might have been both of yeah, us. Yeah, it might have been both of you at the same time. That it just seems like I'm missing. I'm everything's too fuzzy for me, and that's such a first world problem um but it it lacked the the energy of previous seasons that i've watched in h in 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 hd um and maybe that was just merely that's what my eyes have been accustomed to and then going back to regular you know because we chose to watch them while they aired rather than the next day on bbc player right we watched two of them on bbc player the next day visuals were terrible (laughs) it was dreadful do you remember yeah, it was, but there was something wrong with the laptop. I think. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, we have to get to it. Chibnall. The, let, the let's deal with the problem. I was I was incredibly underwhelmed. Like I had such high hopes for him as a writer, and it just didn't happen. Almost every one of his episodes, though, I started it and I was like. I'm going to like this episode. Same. This is cool. This was the recurring it just, theme. It kept like going like that for about 40 minutes. And then I would look at my phone and be like, there's no time left for any sort of satisfactory ending. Yes. And or any real enough, development. Because like, that's the thing. It was just all built. They, they didn't even develop. There was no action. There was no climax. <laughs> I think we're all struggling with the fact that we have none of the Moffat zingers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, where are the speeches? Right. Where well, that are my was, speeches? Th- Sam has this. That I was Moffat-era who, though. I mean, that was the defining thing of Moffat-era who. 
I can't make a shirt out of anything that's been said this season. Well, and I think that, I mean, well, even going to the the visuals, a lot of these episodes have been smaller scale than previous episodes. Like, and I, this may be how they want to take the Doctor is to have like, you know, be more of this traveler as opposed to almost an interplanetary planetary warrior or something, or the savior of Earth, it, right? Like you do. But what happens then is that you get these sets and effects that are a little less Star Wars-y sci-fi and more sure. just like... I mean, these episodes are more focused on the, the inner dynamics between the characters than the sci-fi. It's kind of how I felt, which is a fine direction to take it, but it does give a different feel to it. I think it is more true to classic era Who. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is certainly obviously what Chibnall would have grown up with, but it's also what Moffat and RTD would have grown up with as well. Well, and like there's a reason that classic Who ended. Yes. Like that's not that's just interestingly not what enough. Now. <laughs> because the BBC moved this to Sunday, the ratings, the viewership is almost been doubled from last season, last series. Interesting. Because it's in a time slot that just more homes in England watch are watching TV. Hmm. It's just been disappointing still. It, I, I, I have a hard time putting words to this, but I feel like um, they're being careful um, in general. I, and I'm not sure why they're trying. They're being careful. Um, I feel like the intensity of the show has been diffused to you know because there was a doctor and a companion and it was kind Mm. of about the two of them and now it's a doctor and three companions and so that and so much fam fam fam. um and it it feels like it's diffused so it's gotten um well and the companions do so much right there's it's it's about the the four of them mostly um and so it's just a different feel like you were saying, Jamie. Um, but I also feel like she is not the same doctor. You know, like I don't feel yeah. like Agreed. the doctor is continuing. I mean, she's a great doctor, but like the troubled. They've changed the who troubled, she is as a person. The troubled nature of the doctor, the the struggling, you know, the the battles he was dealing with. Um, previously, I feel like that has gone away. But don't you think that some of that sort of is logical in in the sense that, and I just want to be careful how I say this, the doctor chooses the doctor's own face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hence, in in the Matt Smith era, when when uh, I forget, Madame Vastra, I think, says to Clara, or no, it was it was when, yeah, because Clara had been his, the companion as, as Matt Smith, and then the doctor chose Capal- right. Capaldi's face. Madame Vastra says to Clara, you know, he chose that face because he's so comfortable with you. He's okay looking more his, his age. age. And... I think that's interesting with with the switch to Jody, the sort of inherent softness of her face, at least in comparison to Capaldi's. 
that maybe that's what the doctor was seeking was a softer life, a quieter life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to be softer and quieter, but like, why does that have to equal incapable? Yeah, I agree with that completely. And just kind of bumbling. Right. It's like all of a sudden she needs everybody else to help her do something. Yeah. You know, and that we've talked about. Yes. You, you and I have talked about this is the the sense that not that she needed to be the old doctors but all of a sudden she needs these people to help her do the things that she could have snapped her fingers before and done in a second all by herself you know yeah i mean so often the person who in the end kind of really saves the day is graham the middle-aged white guy i love graham to be fair though graham has been killing it like his acting great character i don't disagree with that at all and I don't dislike, like, I feel like I say that and people are like, oh, you don't like him. No, I, I love Graham. He's actually my favorite companion. But that doesn't mean that I want, that he needs to be the one to save the day all the time. Or the one to have the have the speeches. Like, the doctor still has all this life experience. She's, that's still all there. So she should be able to make these statements, come to these conclusions herself. And we're just not seeing And that. I feel like we got... A little bit of that with the moment with the frog of all things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that a was frog. Weird. That was so <laughs> A talking frog. That could have been Space such a frog. great moment. That episode could have been so good. The basic yep. construct of that episode, it takes her away. Well, and it was one of my favorites from the season. I was which about to say, I liked it. It just. Lot. I think it's. They're going to like smaller. Yes, I just felt stuff. like that could have been Smaller like a defining it. moment, and ribbit. And, ribbit. The, and, and <laughs> we, yes, yeah, just you meet this huge sentient universe being consciousness, and it is a frog. I mean, granted, it chose to be a frog, but a frog. <laughs> well, and there, I mean, there's some tying because didn't Grace like frogs or something? I don't, I don't remember why it said it yes, chose Grace a frog. Yeah, frogs. Grace like frogs. But and it was. I think that amused. The, the biggest issue is a twofold problem facing the writers. Is it one they've always written for a, a male and more recently a kind of father figurey type male. And probably most sci-fi is geared towards that character archetype as opposed to others. And then two, you've got four companions as opposed to one or two. And they've all got different personalities. And you're trying to explore their dynamics, each one's dynamic with the Doctor, and see how they all fit as a unit. And they're trying to write them as a unit. And I think that the issue that they're having is that if we want to have an episode where one of the companions does something cool, the doctor has to get out of the spotlight. And it's fine if it's the doctor and Clara, and Clara goes and does something cool for a couple of episodes and really is great in it, and then the doctor come, kind of comes back in, and then it's more about the doctor again. But in this one, there's so much going on, so many balls they're trying to juggle while trying to figure out who they want Jody to be that I think that they're just they're dropping some balls like, and, and not a lot of balls. dropping well, a lot. And I think Yaz is a ball they've dropped completely because I think that's the most underutilized character in the whole she show. She could have been really cool. I, I liked her at first. Well, okay. So but I, when they... Tr- I'm, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, because this was kind of back to what you said earlier. I told Dr. Spivak this. The one of my things, I remembered this, 
my issues going into this with the doctor again it all comes back to the doctor for me is that what i wanted from our first woman doctor that's got to be aria that might be (laughs) it's hard to say but you have this woman doctor and again they're used to writing for a man and they seem to think that only a man could say or do these things but what i think would have been so cool would be to see to show that a woman can do and say all the exact same stuff that just because she's a woman now does not mean that her act that she's not capable of just being who she was if that makes sense saying um sarah was talking about this to me the other day so i don't know anything about this show but she was just talking about how frustrated she was i was and this kind of reminds me this is part of the same like one of the largest issues i had with breaking bad was the fact that there were no decent relatable likable female characters and if you can't write a decent female character pass the bechdel test i don't think ever no and if you can't write a decent female character aka you can't write for 50 percent of the population you're just not a good writer that's it there's no that's that's the end sorry well (laughs) but i think interestingly enough I think there are about half. We have dogs outside that are going crazy. They are losing their flipping minds. Well, and it's not, though, that Doctor Who has never written good female characters. They have. They just. Because there are some great ones that have written. It's just that. Never a good lead. Well, yeah. They're they're struggling in that regard. Technically, they're, they're sort of. Well, I, I mean, I think in the Amy Pond years, there were times when Amy Pond was clearly more important That's than true. the Doctor. But think how B.A. Missy was. Okay, yeah, Missy well, was Well, and great. that's the thing, though. We've we've got this model for a, a very cool time female Lord Time Lord. Female and then who is still, I mean, Missy is the master. The essence of who the master is is still is in Missy. Missy. yeah. And that's what I feel like Jody has lost is some of the essence of what I think of when I think of the doctor. But I think it comes back to, I mean, just having too many characters and not really knowing what you want to do with any of them. When we're talking about Yaz being underutilized, the episode that they tried to give her some screen time and let her kind of save the day, the witch episode. That was cool. Everybody's walking up to the castle, and for whatever reason, Yaz is like, I'm going to go check on the only person who matters. And she goes off, and she finds out what's going on, and the doctor gets captured, and they have to rescue the doctor. Like, and trying to develop her, even though she wasn't developed a lot, that was, or at least what I think, is they're trying to develop Yaz, and to do so, it takes away from the doctor developing and it doesn't do a good job of, like, really either yeah, one. Yeah, it's hard if you do, like, if you have three companions and you do want to develop them each a little, that means, you know, if you develop each companion in an episode and then the Doctor, that's four episodes and only one where the Doctor really gets to shine. Maybe. Even then. Okay, so let's let's deal with this. Let's do uh, least favorite episode, favorite episode, best episode, and maybe best guest star. Oh dear, this is hard. I think my least favorite episode was the Arachnids in the UK. I don't know. Oh, that that one was okay, okay to, me. to me. I my least favorite one, and this is because it let me down so much in the end. It was the one with the the little the gremlin one. on the ship. Yeah, yeah. 
because I thought that was going to it be. It started fantastic. so well. Yeah, no, actually, that might have been my that, least. That's yeah, you my might least be favorite. right. Actually, the one with I might stitch in space. I might change, space stitch. Yes, yeah, space stitch. I mean, technically, stitches space, but you we you get it, people. It was it was essentially a remake of Lilo and Stitch on a spaceship. On a spaceship. That's I mean, thing, it started out so well, and then they killed off. Probably the best character from that episode. And they also didn't end it the way it should have ended. They should have taken him back to the little garbage planet. Yeah, I totally thought they were going to take him back to the garbage planet. That was a very disappointing episode. Favorite episode? Mm. Um, I don't know. Either the Witchfinder episode or It Takes You Away, maybe? I I liked It Takes You Away. Um... I liked that we really got a kind of a doctory moment in that. I'm not see that's the thing. I'm not sure I had a favorite episode. I had a few I, that I'm like, that was a better episode than some of the others I've watched, but none of them that I was like, wow, I loved that episode of Doctor Who. Tonight. I actually liked. I think it was the last episode with uh, Tim Shaw, and uh, the oh, that, that was, was probably my favorite. That episode. was pretty see, good. The reason I liked that episode is because Graham reminded me of the 10th Doctor, and I yes. like that character. Ooh, and anything yeah. that they do along that yes. line, I'm going to like, even if I feel like it should have been... Obviously, it would have made sense for the Doctor to have those feelings as strongly as Graham did, but yeah. I like that kind of emotional arc. Yeah. Best episode. I mean, I think we all know we have to say Rosa. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that was the best episode. Which was... Good because I was worried that they were going to try to force it. No, and they didn't. And it just it was it, it was natural. It is and interesting. Wonderful. It is Indeed. interesting that that the best episode of a Doctor Who season was a historical though. Yes, that's not usually. You know, one of my other favorite episodes. I mean, I the finale. I think uh, that, but I I thought the Witchfinders was was I actually really, great. I enjoyed the Witchfinders episode. Which speaking of that, that's where my favorite guest star. That's definitely was. my favorite guest star. Okay, because when you said Alan guest star, coming, yeah. I mean, I think we all knew that that's who we were gonna say for that, right? Right. Oh, agreed. Because that was great. That was that was a great guest star TV performance. It was amazing. He's also a great actor. So I mean, yes, he was. Whereas Chris Noth, I was like, oh, well, here's Chris Wait, Noth. which one was? The guy running for president in Arachnids in the UK. Right, oh. Donald Trump 2.0. Essen- essentially, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, back to what you said, though, about it being odd that the episode we agree was the best was a historical one. I think that kind of what we've said this evening is that they're when they're doing these episodes they're focusing less on like laser space battle sci-fi and more on like these interrelationships so your futuristic sci-fi doesn't have that same kind of hook that they used right. in past seasons um and obviously that episode was amazing rosa parks that there's really just nothing else that can compare and maybe maybe they could have written a better future episode but I think that they're just shying away from what traditionally um, sci-fi fans have kind of liked. I think it's interesting to me that we've talked about these different things that that, that we didn't like, but that one of them... Yeah, we're going to have... Tony is not happy. Aria. Aria is not happy. Aria broke her toe. (gasps) Jummy, go get her. 
I put Tony outside. Ooh, Tony's not happy. Well, we're going to have to wrap up then. Um, we Wait, I had a thought. This is a thought I've had this, this oh, I almost said semester, season. I think several of these episodes with Chibnall would have been better if he would have just gone in being like, I'm going to write a two-part episode. Then he could have done a lot of development, taken those last 20 minutes to really get us into kind of a climaxy, cliffhangery spot, and then had a whole another episode to really wrap things up. Maybe in, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that if he had had more time in these episodes, he would have really, you know, given us a great story. Well, arc. and that's an interesting point, actually, okay, because cool. the whole thing of Broadchurch is exactly. how interwoven everybody's story and is. And that's what I want from Doctor Who. You watched Broadchurch, That's didn't one you? of the things I loved yeah. from Moffat was that, you know, you always have some sort of or- overarching theme. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting that he chose not to do that with who? To do who? any two-part episodes or any real... I thought we were going to have an overarching theme with Tim Shaw because, you know, we have the... They had, even in the second episode, like, a little reference to his race. And, like, yeah, we come back to him at the end, but there was no other mention of him throughout the season. So, no, that does not count yeah. as, a, as a story arc. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm a little salty about it. All right. Breakfast. That was a long time ago. I had scrambled eggs. Very healthy. I know, right? Um, they had a lot of cheese and butter, though. They weren't healthy. Uh, we would like to, uh, for takeaways, uh, any oh, takeaways? Poop, poop. Yeah. I, I would just like to say a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Ooh. Feliz something. Navidad? Um, uh, uh, and you claim Miami. Happy Hanukkah and whatever, whatever else we also say this time of year. Freud, what's German? Freud. Uh, f- uh, Christmas. Frohe Weihnacht, right? Frohe Weihnacht. Yeah, actually, yeah, I think that's right. Christmas. Weihnacht. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I feel like the Christmas market. Weihnachtsmarkt. Um, so, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy New Year. We hope that you and yours get some wonderful family time. Yeah. That you have some eggnog or whatever else that you like to celebrate Christmas with. Uh, my wife likes <laughs> eggnog. I'm not a big eggnog drinker I've myself. I've never tried eggnog. It's never um, happened. But uh, we hope that you have a joyous holiday season. Vocal Fry is officially on hiatus until the new year. Yeah. And Because uh, there'll be Doctor Who. Because then. we'll be spending some time with our families over right. the next couple of weeks and uh we're all looking forward to that and uh leah will be watching tony stark perno i will over the next week <laughs> <laughs> dr spivak's making fun of him <laughs> well i wasn't going to but since you asked so nicely <laughs> oh my i don't even know what to say right now folks all right happy vocal fry christmas everybody merry christmas Bye.